Blog Talk Radio. Suicide. 
where the frequent common symptom is depression. On these Tuesday Thursday episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. The trauma-informed perspectives of survivor professionals help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show. And I'll give the phone number again. It's 646-595-2118. And I am joined today by my co-host, Victoria. When you call in, Victoria will answer the phone and welcome you. Thanks, Victoria. And with that, I'm going to introduce Bob. Hi, Bob. Hello there. Can you hear me okay? I can. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be back. Um, uh, Where do we go from here? Uh, What what I would like to do is... um, just a couple of housekeeping points. Um, I'm on the opposite side of the world to you folks in in the States, so um, there will be a, a, a short lag, you know, a time delay. So just bear that in mind so that we don't end up talking over each other. And, um, and my priority in this show and in future shows, whether it's on this platform or other platforms I've got lined up, is my priority is to... My priority goes to people that call in with issues. Um, But having said that, whoever's monitoring the calls, if somebody calls in, just let me know. But let me know when I've finished making a point. You know, um, And... My number one priority really is I'm here to have fun. And that sounds really sort of odd when you're talking about depression. But what I would like to do now is just spend two or three minutes um, sharing what my life is like for me now. And, um, and then I'm open to questions. And... To get my disclaimer out of the way, I never give advice because um, unsolicited advice is abuse. It's a disrespect for the equal sovereignty of everybody else. So all I ever share is my own life story and the results of any research that I personally carried out. So I don't do opinions because opinions are like hearsay evidence in court. But anyway, so I'll start. I'll pick up the talking stick and just describe quickly what my life is like for me now. And I was born in 52, um, had my first panic attack in 84. I turned 71 this year and my life is absolutely awesome. But it's also very, very, very simple. I as master and commander of my life, I drive my life under two principles. And the first principle is the KISS principle. 
keep it simple, sovereign. Because I have learned that the words I choose to use create my reality. The words I use are my spells. And then the second principle is something I coined about 12 years ago, which is the SUE principle. S-U-E. So that just stands for all are sovereign, unique, and equal, and everything else just flows from that. And both of those principles reside under the umbrella of integrity. Now, without personal integrity, none of this magic that is happening in my life could have occurred. Because if I can lie to myself, I can lie to anybody. So now, my life is simple. Um, there is only one law, do no harm. And I've only got one right, and that is the right of self-determination. And just a brief description of what my day looks like is um, when my body is awake, we play. And when my body is tired, we sleep. So when my body wakes me up, how I go through my day is something that will grab my attention. And so I'll give it some of my attention. And then something else will grab my attention. And I, I'll give that <laughs> my attention. So I go through my daily life like a butterfly, flitting from things that you, the universe has put in front of me. And that's how simple my life is. But it hasn't always been that way. And I, since I had my first panic attack in 1984, I spent 20 years trying to think my way out of depression. And I got nowhere until I realized that I was stuck in the trap of the intellect. Because my depression was... was <laughs> It wasn't anything wrong with me. It was something that the, my programming was fighting against. My, my, my depression was just my, my heart-centered truth, my body slapping me, saying, Bob, you've got to wake up. You've got to start living your truth. You know, get rid of your, getting rid of your program. So please let me know if you've got any callers. As I said, I don't, I don't give advice. But all I can do yes. is um, share, you know, if somebody's had... We do. Yeah, go for it. Bob, yeah, I do. love it. We do. And let me introduce Philip. Philip, are you there? Hello. Hi. Do you have a question for Bob or a comment? Um, I won't ask of my programming too because it's not that good. Could you, Could you repeat what that? you said? I, ha I had a hard time hearing that, Philip. I'm trying to get rid of my programming too. He's changing his programming too. All right. So, is it Philip? Yes. Yeah. Philip, what, what have you tried to, um, to do to get rid of your programming? 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I did with my programming was that background noise is really intrusive. But what I did to get rid of my programming was to find a way to silence my mind so that I could hear my heart. Got it. Yeah. And so how I did that is I coined this phrase that was spiked by um, a comment from one of my heroes, Ian Lungold, that the mind, my mind is just a tool that I use when I choose, for I'm so much more than my mind. And so bearing that in mind, I now treat my mind like I treat my little puppy dog. You know, I am master and commander of my life, and my mind is part of my responsibilities. And so when my mind gets feisty and it intrudes on my inner peace, I just say, come here, mind. Um, you go off and do some research into sonoluminescence or whatever. And um, so off the mind goes, <laughs> wagging its little tail because it says some attention from the master, which is me. And then it come, comes back and reports to me. I say, thank you very much, mind. You've done a very, very brilliant job. Now, here's a treat. Get back in your basket. I will take you for another run tomorrow. And so that's, that's how I, I deal with my mind. And the other thing that I do in my daily life is just to... I have a, a webcam or a drone, if you like, nowadays. That's so great. Let's get... Let's get with the tech. Um, I have my own personal drone that flies above me and looks down at me um, as I go through my daily life. So I am the observer of me in my life. And through this sense, what I call a sense of noticing, I notice when I'm, when I, when I'm in the moment, when I'm just I'm whistling or... Da, 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 da. Oh, this is great. And so my noticing records that. And, and all I do is do more of those things that put me in the moment, put me in, in, the, in the bliss or in the flow. So that's, that's how I, I deal with that. But the programming thing is, is for me, it's headspace. You know, it's, it's intentional. The society we live in is designed to keep us in the, in thinking and not feeling. Because what I've come to realize is that thinking is the weapon of mass distraction. And they, you know, they want to keep us there because um, they know that if we as humanity can get in touch with our feeling energy, then their game is over, you know, because it was, when I had my panic attack in 84 and I woke up at 3 a.m. and I was thrashing around, I was overcome by these overwhelming feelings. I thought, whoa, whoa, what's going on, you know? 
it frightened the crap out of my wife, and I wasn't too happy with it. But that that then began um, a period of 20 years of taking antidepressants. Um, and so, one thing that I've learned about taking antidepressants for 20 years is they totally disconnected me from my feelings. And so I had no recourse to use my most powerful healing tool, which was my feelings. But once I threw them away um, and allowed, <coughs> allowed my body to release all of the wounds and the moments of terror that I experienced as a child, that was that was my pathway to healing. I hope that answers your question. Cool. Good. I'm glad that you're healing. <laughs> it's it's overdone, mate. You know, I, you know, I am master and commander of my life, and I create my life and take full responsibility for it, which is why my life is so awesome. You know, and and that is probably one of the, the most powerful messages. And I'm world famous for asking awkward questions. So here's another one: um, If you are not creating your life, who is? Hey. Thanks for the question. Did you have anything else, Philip? Sorry, no, thank you. Okay, thank you for your questions and comments. And with that, we'll welcome Ward on. Hello, Ward. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I Hi. am. Well, you know, Do you have I, a question? Um, I, I'll, I'll comment, I think. Um, you know, I uh, I really loved that he mentioned integrity, you know, because we can base so much wellness just on integrity alone, you know, when we, when we carry ourselves in such a way that we're not frustrated with ourselves anymore, then the integrity carries us through, you know, and I really love that uh, Bob brought that up. And as far as my, um, I had depression for a long, long time, but when I finally learned to emotionally regulate everything except for the depression, it kind of went away on its own. It's, it's almost like it was a side effect. What do you think about that, Bob? Well, what is it? Hey, you just want to say I love your energy um, I'm very empathic so I love the, the energy you're radiating, radiating. and um, kudos to you for reaching out um, for me the evolution of consciousness is exponential you know and we've just turned the corner so it's only going to get more more frantic but more elevating it's it's going to be a wild ride and integrity 
um, and this is just from my own research, um, there was this big panic in 2012 when, oh, the world's going to end, the, you know, the minds predicted the world was going to end, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, but if, if you do the research, as I've done, um, what the minds were saying that on the 21st of December 2012, the, the end of the age of power would begin and the beginning of the age of integrity would start. So since that 21st of December 2012, the age of integrity is slowly eclipsing the age of power. And wherever I look around the world, I notice that to be true, because more and more people are getting out of their mind, out of their headspace, headspace into their heart space, finding their heart-centered truth and having the courage to share through the internet which the Mayans predicted the Mayans predicted the birth of the internet but they called it the birth of global consciousness and I reckon that's a, a better definition so for me you know for me what is integrity and it's really simple if I say I'm going to do something I'll do it if I say Ward, I'll meet you at the meet you at the coffee shop <coughs> at twelve o'clock tomorrow. I'll be there or I'll be dead. You know, and for me that that is integrity. My word is right. my bond. That's it. It's simple, right? Right. And just doing that, just going to the coffee shop, got you yeah. out of the chair or the bed, wherever you were depressed at. Yeah, yeah. And depression depression is not an illness. For me it's it's a rite of passage. It's just my body is so much smarter than me. But if I don't listen to my body, it keeps slapping me and slapping me and slapping me harder until I listen to it. For me depression is oh. a rite of passage. It just, if you're like me, I'm a very sensitive, empathic, creative sort of guy. Um, but I was also, um, I spent most of my adult life in headspace in um, automotive research. Um, so, <coughs> and I now realize that that time I spent <coughs> was great for my intellect, but I was stuck in the trap of the intellect. And there was no way I could think my way out of depression because I had to listen to my body. And my body knew. My body is so much smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we start paying attention, there's a message and a lesson. But what I've realized, Ward, is that Every event that occurs in this life that I do create <coughs> holds a lesson for me. <coughs> and all I've got to do is listen and obey. You know, learn. It's simple. It's only the mind that complicates things. Oh, <coughs> and what absolutely. Notice, yeah, and what I notice in my life is that if ever my life gets complicated, it's because 
the mind has slipped back in the driving seat. So I just go in, grab it by the scruff of the neck, throw it in the boot, put my heart back in the driving seat, and my life is simple again. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, and, and, here, and here, here's an example. Um, everything can be so complicated. The neurobiology of the brain and the neuroplasticity allows us to reframe the neural pathways in our brain and, and, and those highways of communication can be reinforced to go from despair to joy. And, well, knowing all that doesn't really create a difference. But taking action, like working toward integrity rather than just staying home alone and not even bothering to go to the coffee shop, uh, that will change those neural pathways and all that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, my, my response to that board is, um, how can I put it? Um, whatever works for you is okay with me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um but all I expect is the same respect in return for me. Um, science is the sickness, and nature is the cure. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, and one of the best things, probably the, the absolute best thing that um, Eckhart Tolle ever said was, totally let go of the need to understand anything. <coughs> and I found that so liberating liberating because in my own oh, yeah. journey yeah. in my own journey please let me finish in my own journey um, within the silence of my heart I found a place I call my knowing and my knowing has no words but in that place of knowing that's my connection to source God or the universe it's also where I get my sense of who I am but it's also a place where I connect to um, what I call the universal library of all that there is to know. So that is my knowing. And so I say, I prefer knowing to knowledge. Now going, going to the Bible, and I'm not religious. For me, all religions are about control, but I'm very spiritual. But I love the Bible. Some good shit in there. <coughs> and Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Well, not my garden. I'm cinnamon there. <laughs> but they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They got kicked out of paradise for eating from the tree of knowledge. Which just says to me that the pursuit of knowledge is the original sin. Hey, that's heavy, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so, if, if they didn't smell the flower before they ate the fruit, you know. <laughs> and, that's, and that was the birth of the shame of humanity, because once they 
jumped onto the science bandwagon, they covered themselves. That was the the birth of our shame. And yeah, it's oh, it's it's a beautiful journey. So for me, I now live, and I have been for about oh ten, fifteen years. I live in a feeling universe and not a thinking universe. I experience this life through my senses. You know, I feel the warmth of the sun on my skin. I smell the sweet tang of the rotting mangoes. I hear the kookaburras chirping away to sing in a new day. I feel the coolness of the grass beneath my feet. So I personally live in a feeling universe and not a thinking universe. And I'm just a simple bloke, a Peter Turner. But if I can get to that space of contentment, well, anybody can. And just do the work, get rid of the programming. That's all I did. Thanks, Paul. Well, it seems like when people go into the science to a certain extent that they lose the sense of humble then you know then you know that just that just messes everything up and, and you said uh what was the word you used um uh i think it started with a c uh another word for humble covet you said covet and if, if somebody's humble, they don't covet anything, you know? Well, again, going back to the Bible, there's a lovely phrase, you know, look over the internet and people are shouting out, oh, we need a revolution, we need a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what I say is no. What is happening now is we are entering a period of re-evaluation whereby the elders in our society are sitting down and um, saying well competition greed and all that shit hasn't worked for us for the last 200,000 years <coughs> so it's time we develop a different approach and that approach is cooperation and community Right, right. And they, we stopped listening. We stopped listening to the older people, and now we're starting to listen to them again. Yes, that's right. I've noticed that there are more and more movies starring older people. Yeah. Well, one thing I've learned. One thing I've learned, and there's some childhood noises coming through from somebody's microphone. <coughs> well, one thing I've learned is that the only way I can share my truth is by st sticking with I statements. I cannot, I do not use the word we or the word you because. For me, all are sovereign, unique, and equal. I can only speak for me. I have no problem speaking to the we, to the collective, 
but I have no mandate to speak for the we or for the collective. And the same goes for the word you. You I can speak to you, but unless you give me your vote, your permission, I have no authority to speak for you. And so, which is why, and it's taken me over 20 years, (coughs) I place my words with surgical precision because the only person I can speak for and maintain mutual respect for every other sovereign, unique individual is just to speak my truth. And using words we and you is a great way of hiding behind a shield so that you don't have to share your own truth. So I would encourage, and this is not advice, it's I'm just asking, <coughs> I would ask everybody just to use I statements. This is what I experienced. This is what I did. This is, you know. For me, um, this whole thing about political correctness, you know, where that's the biggest joke of the century for me political correctness is uh, the epitome of codependent behavior and the absolute antithesis of the right of free speech but it's so popular isn't it you know so you've got all these millions of people out there sitting there thinking Oh, I can't say that because it's going to upset somebody. And so you've got all these millions of people afraid to share their truth because it's going to upset somebody. And so the corollary to that is, I'd rather lie to you than share my truth. Now, how healthy Mm. is that? You know, when I share my truth, all I'm doing is sharing data. How you respond to that is your responsibility, not mine. So I just encourage everybody, get in touch with the heart centered truth, get on your soapbox and speak it. And what other people think of me is none of my bloody business. And my life is none of theirs. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you, I agree with you there because that was when I got into the program, that's the first thing my sponsor told me is other people's uh, opinion, you are none of your business. Boy, just keep reminding me of that. Because <laughs> when I'm focusing on what other people are thinking about me, um, I'm not putting the energy into, you know, doing what my purpose um, or, you know, what I feel that, that I've been put on this earth to do. And uh, when you were talking about your inner voice, you know, I think when I was very young, my inner voice was shut off. You know, because I was told I was thinking wrong or I was acting wrong or, you know, you know, I always thought there was something wrong with me, you know. And uh, so what I do now is, you know, I do a lot of meditation and uh, just just sit with myself and, and turn off all the everything, you know, the busyness of life, a meditation spot in my yard that I go down and I just, you know, ask the universe for wisdom and and listen for the answers, you know. Um, 
and it's helped me so much. And we, um, I've heard um, some people, myself, say um, to get information um, from my head to my heart has been, you know, really hard. And uh, I'd say act yourself into a new way of thinking or think yourself into a new way of acting. And I think uh, um, one of the, uh, I think it was Ward that hit it on the head when he said, you know, taking action, which is taking risks. And that could be difficult, but, you know, it's the only way that you can change is by, you know, trying something, trying something new. And then you could either say, well, that worked or that didn't work, you know. And, uh, but I think uh, um, just pushing knowledge out is, you know, that can be bad too because I need to learn the knowledge of the computer and the knowledge of the Internet. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to go on Zoom or Blog Talk Radio if I didn't, you know, learn how to use a stupid smartphone that I call a dumb phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, what, yeah, I'd like to try. Uh-huh. Yeah, what I would like to say is um, uh, the biggest challenge for everybody, well, the biggest challenge in my life and the biggest champagne moment was <coughs> the day I reclaimed <coughs> The belief in myself. Mm-hmm. Now, once people believe in themselves and believe that they are a child of God or universal creation or source, and realize that the kingdom of heaven resides in each of us, was just monumental. And now, now where I'm sitting in my journey. I feel as if I'm made of an obtainium because I stand in my truth. And it is my truth and it is unassailable. And because I'm unique, <coughs> I'm the only one that has this truth. But, um, um, <coughs> sorry. <it's, coughs> Thanks, Ward. Um, do we have any more callers or? That's all right now. Um, did you want okay, to continue, well, um, continue talking, or do we like to um, open the conversation um, again to people, or, or do you have more information you'd like to give us um, uh, about what? I could speak for hours on this topic. Yeah. Uh, should we go to our callers again and see if they have more questions? Because we've just discuss them a bit more. Sounds like a good idea. Annie, would you like to... Do you have any comments? She might have stepped away for a second. Um, let's go on. Let's go back to uh, up here. Philip, would you like to make any comments? Um, I don't have any questions, but I have to hang up right now. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. We appreciate you uh, being on the show. And then uh, let's go. Uh, Ward, would you like to uh, make any comments at this point? Or yeah. Go back. Yes. Um, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. You know, I mean, I think you really hit it on the head, Bob, when you said, 
the coffee shop. And, and it doesn't have to be the coffee shop. It can just be out into the yard to smell the flowers, you know. You don't have to go to the store and buy the flowers. You can go to the store and smell the flowers for free. I didn't understand any of that. That was all garbled. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was just saying that, you know, it's just taking that Try action. Uh, okay. Um... I was just saying that taking that action, you know, go to the coffee shop or go outside and smell the flowers or, you know, you don't have to go to the store and buy the That's flowers. Right, you mate. can just smell them for free. Maybe speak Bob, he was saying we don't have to go buy flowers. We can just go to the store for free and smell them. Yeah. Do you have any other, besides smelling flowers, which is a great one, do you have any other tips, things we can do to help us to deal with our depression? Well, for me, um, you've only got to look to the animal kingdom to get an idea of how we are supposed to live on this planet. Now, I am a spiritual being enjoying a physical experience and when I lived on my boat in Pioneer Bay every afternoon this pair of dolphins used to come round swimming around the bay so I'd go skinny dipping with them and they taught me a great lesson because <coughs> there they are they don't pay taxes they spend their life giggling <laughs> and you know and they're great fun to play with and for me, that's <coughs> that's what we that's what humans are supposed to how humans are supposed to live. We have been gifted the bounty of this beautiful planet to look after and enjoy enjoy the fruits of that. But because of the corrupt society that we live in, we've all become wage slaves. And I don't like using the word we, but um, to explain depression, um, you take a wild creature, say, you know, take a wild parrot that's just used to flying around, going where it wants, you know, feeding, raising its young. You put it in a cage and what happens? It goes loopy, doesn't it? It goes doolally. <coughs> and that, for me, is what's been happening to our hu humanness for thousands of years. But the effect has been accelerated strongly ever since about 1880 with the birth of uh, things like psychiatry and psychology. Now, for me, psychiatry is... Um, and I've researched this a lot. <coughs> In 1880, if you were an unwed mother, you were considered insane. So you got locked up for life, no jury, no trial, just for being an unwed mother. And this, that's the gift of psychiatry. 
but also if wow. you're a homosexual, same deal. You know, you got banged up for life, no jury, no trial. That's the gift of psychiatry. And every year since then, this beast known as psychiatry, they get together and they dream up more and more and more <coughs> so-called mental illnesses. And, and yet, <coughs> the only the only proof that they put forward is, oh, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. And yet there is no scientific data anywhere that supports that statement. It's nothing... For me, depression has nothing to do with the mind. It's a wound of the soul. Which is why, from my understanding, <coughs> and my own research, that no psychiatrist has ever claimed to have cured anybody. And I know broad brush statements are dangerous, but this is just my observation from the work I've been doing since 84. Psychologists uh, prescribe drugs to numb the pain, to keep you detached from your feelings. And the psychologists provide you with coping skills so that you can live with the pain. None of them, none of them offer a solution for healing. And they can't because each sovereign, unique individual is on their own journey to find their own solution. And it won't be found in the mind. I found mine within the heart. My heart guided me to where I am today. And I've even bet my life on trusting my intuition. <coughs> And if, if you like, I'll quickly share that story. Please do. Hmm. Well, I'm living on my boat, Fidelio, in Pioneer Bay. <coughs> and it's about, I don't know, 2012, something like that. And it's only a 28-foot yacht. But it was my home. It was all I had. So it's about 7 o'clock at night, 7.30 maybe, and it's dark up here in the tropics. I was sitting down below, naked, on my laptop, and I was on my dog's Facebook page. That always gets a laugh. And all of a sudden, the lights went dim. And I couldn't breathe. It's like I stopped breathing. So I looked over at the voltmeter, 13 volts. So I knew it wasn't an electrical problem. And then just off to the left of my vision, there was this black, wispy, sulky spiralness floating up and down. And no matter how far I turned my head to the left, I couldn't bring it into <coughs> full focus. So <coughs> I just typed into the laptop on Facebook, Hey guys, if I don't post anything in the next half hour, can you get Volunteer Marine Rescue to come out and get my dog Barnaby? Because I thought I was going to die. And my thinking was, you know, if I die, then 
after Barnum is eating me, he's going to starve, you know. So I'm sitting there and time has stopped. There is no perception of time in this sort of near-death experience. And uh, I look at this uh, <coughs> black silky wispiness. I thought, oh, no, it's all over, Red Rover. The Grim Reaper has come to get me. Now, I could have typed in, hey, guys, send, send, the, send the ambulance people out here because I think I'm having a stroke or whatever. But I didn't. So I just sat there in this everlasting moment of time. I just sat there and let, let my body take over. And so I walked up the stairs, <coughs> got up on deck, and I looked up at the sky. I could see two full moons. And I look around the bay, and it's all dark, and it's, you know, I'm in the bay surrounded by mangroves where uh, crocodiles live, and sharks feed after dark. But my body just threw me into the bay. Ah. Oh. So I'm lying in the seawater, stretched out like a great big starfish on my back, looking up at the two full moons. And then all of a sudden, my body just went, uh, <clears throat> a great big gasp of breath. And that was the night I consciously chose to trust my intuition, my inner intuition, my gut feeling. That was my rite of passage. <laughs> and now, you know, for me, my my heart is a, my only compass, and my um, intuition is my only guide. And I'm just a simple bloke, and if I can get there, anybody can. Hey, end of story. True story. Anyone there? Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Bob, I was wondering I if you would tell us about your book. I want to bring up uh, one thing about nature. Um, somebody told, well, you know, when you look at flowers, whatever, you know, they don't compare themselves to each other. Like, oh, that flower's growing, you know, taller than I am or, you know, the tree or whatever. They they just grow, you know. They they do their thing, and so I I try to um, look into nature as well, Bob, um, for for wisdom, you know. So thanks for sharing that. But yeah, let we would like to hear about your book. Well, books. Victoria. And then you also do podcasts, right? Yeah. Well, Victoria, um, with me. I am that I am, and I am content with me. Right. And so I have, I have no need to compete with anyone or anything, because I'm yep. content. And for me, right. competition is the curse of humanity, the curse of our society. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree. cooperation. Cooperation is a solution. Let's mm -hmm. cooperate with each other instead of competing with each other 
and we could ch change the world in a day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like you said, speaking our own truth, you know, is yeah. very important. Because yeah. I was, you know, I was told, don't, you know, don't tell your story, don't this and that, but it's really set me free to be able to tell my story, and that's a big part of that. Um, having people come on and be able to, you know, share your experience. And I say experience, strength, hope, you know, and don't forget the hope part. Because we need to be sharing, you know, um, that there is life beyond being a victim of abuse. And uh, so that's why I like, uh, like what we're talking about tonight. Um, I know that uh, you read the book, and uh, matter of fact, um, Annie was saying that she was listening to one of your podcasts, and I think that's mentioned on the too, um, that um, that you have some uh, other stuff you've done on the internet. So maybe you could share what you've been doing to spread this message that you've been talking about. Yeah, well, it's easy. Um, I've got a lot of free videos on my YouTube channel, and... Um, I've got several books on uh, Amazon, <laughs> and the best way to find my material, because I'm, I I don't have a website, is just go to Google and type in the gift of depression, space Bob Eden, and all my material will be there. You'll find it okay. all. Uh, I like to keep things simple. What uh, what motivated you to write uh, um, the book Gifted Depression? Well, my book came through me, not from me. And what drove me was the twenty years of pain I went through, suffering from this misdiagnosis of a mental illness, because there's no such thing as mental illness. It was the pain of my depression that gave me the energy and the motivation to speak my truth. And in 2005, when I became a ship's captain, master and commander was a an eye-opener. You know, the first time I took a boat out, oh, Bob, the book stops with you. You're responsible for all the lives of these people. You're responsible for everything. And so, all I did was I took that ideology and applied it to my whole life. Yes, I am master and commander of my life, and I take full responsibility for this life that I do create. And so, my guiding thought, <coughs> I used to folk singer, I've sung since, this is my 59th year as a Page stage performer, but I've sort of dropped the music and moved into writing. It's my passion, but all of my writing comes through me, and it's all about self-realization, reclaiming the authentic self, so that the writing comes through me. And so my little, my first book, The Gift of Depression, my little scrapbook. You know, my body wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm on the keyboard, and the words just flow. So I got hundreds and hundreds of these little messages that I stored away 
including my story, my insights, blah, 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 blah. And so they're all sitting there in a folder on my computer. And I think, well, how can I get this out there? You know, because it's, it's not a book. And then the title came to me, The Gift of Depression, My Little Scrapbook. And that realization allowed me to throw everything that I'd written into one place and publish it. And, you know, if you get hold of my book, that's what it is. It's my life journey as a scrapbook. So it doesn't follow, you know, current publishing, blah, 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 bullshit, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just me and my story. Um, something I got from the tribal people in Australia is... Um, in the final analysis, all I have is my story, and I'm just trying to live a good one. And I believe that because we're all sovereign, unique, and equal, everyone holds a piece of the puzzle, and that just by simply sharing our stories, we help to heal each other. There are no gurus. There is no one out there that has your solutions. Finding them is your job. <laughs> oh, that's a bit heavy. Agreed. I was in the I was in the psych ward, you know, and um, they they imposed their um, this, you know their decision on me that they were going to give me shock treatments, and. Um, so I called my voluntary treatments because they told me if I didn't sign an agreement that I was volunteering to have shock treatments, they're going to take away my children. And um, so, you know, because it was, I was really depressed and suicidal, and I guess we go back to depression, and my depression was defined by them, of course, like you said. And um, what it all it was was... Um, I wasn't given the opportunity to speak my truth, and so I was holding that all aside, you know, and it mm -hmm. it kind of mental health problems, you know, and every time I tried to talk about it, they would put me on more meds, you know, <laughs> because talking about it wasn't what they wanted, you know, and so then after the treatment, the um, whole series and everything, they asked me if I was still depressed. Well, in definition, yes, I was still depressed, but I said that I wasn't depressed. Because they didn't have no more shock treatments, you know. And and so they're writing that information down and they're adding to their information that says shock treatments oh so it's you know <laughs> it's it's kind of a a wild uh, uh roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well Well Ward. My yes. dad it was a mythical creature. Um he um, he went off to work before I got up in the morning and um, he came home after I was back in bed so he never spent any time with me. But um, he was living his programming which was bringing home the bacon. But finally it manifested in him committing himself to a, a mental institution where they gave him shock treatment and I was about six at the time. And poor old dad, he didn't need 
you know, ECT. He just needed a bloody holiday. <coughs> and so for me, as sovereign, and I believe that all are sovereign, unique and equal, um, there is no other person on this planet that can make a judgment about me. The only person, the only thing that can judge me is source, God, mm-hmm. universe. Right. Anybody that presumes to make a judgment about you, I am unique, mate. I am unique. Therefore, it follows that I am the only expert on my life. Nobody right. knows my body better than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I found out I could go in the doctor and and tell them, you know, what was going on. And, you know, if they said you need to do this or that for surgery and, and, uh, you know, I weigh the consequences, whatever, and I don't want to have surgery, I can say I want that treatment, you know. And before, I never felt I could. It was like I thought that authority was all, you know, and and what I believed or wanted was nothing and and I'm glad that I was able to get the wisdom to realize that you know I have options now and I have choices now where when I was a little kid I didn't have those choices and I got reminding myself that today I have choices you know precisely yeah it's amazing isn't it you know there is so much power in the word no I do yes. not consent. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And also knowing yeah. yourself, you know, giving yourself time to figure out, you know, what what you like or what you don't like and, um, you know, allowing yourself to just be human and make mistakes and learn from, you know, a lot of times I learn more from my mistakes than my successes because I go, well, you know, evaluating it and say, well, that's something I'd like to do, or that's something I didn't like to do, or that had a positive, you know, come and then a negative outcome, and, and learn from that, and put that into my, you know, my present life. And I just, you know, some people, oh my God, I, I'm just having this horrible day, and I will say, start your day over anytime you want, you know, any moment you want. Um, but one, one of my mantras, different. one of my mantras is, um, Whatever is not nurturing for me, I simply call the beast, and I no longer feed the beast. So I only give my time and attention to anything that is nurturing for me. Simple, eh? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a lot of it is just really simple stuff you know it doesn't have to be all as complex explanations <laughs> that you know like i said all the science of everything you know just the simplest thing and um i think word was saying that that you know we don't have to spend all this money to find happiness we can go to the store and smell the flowers or we go out to nature um well, for me i go out to nature and i tell you what if i find it stone or an acorn or something, I grab it and bring it home with me and just I don't know, I just feel like it's a gift. <laughs> and and uh, 
I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but, you know, yeah. when I was a little kid, I'd go out in the nature, and I'd find something like that, and I'd bring it home, and I'd set on my dresser, and it was craziness all around me. But but I, it kind of made me get centered um, and brought me back to that peacefulness or that serenity that I felt when I was out by myself in the woods and all that craziness that was going on in my home. Um, I just, you know, tried to focus on those good memories or that good time that I was having being alone. Yeah, precisely. It's amazing how powerful that, that little acorn was. And I felt that, you know, my higher powers or whatever the universe had had shown me that out there, you know. It's like, you're afraid of going out in the woods? I said, I love being out there. <laughs> Especially I found a park that hardly anybody goes to. And I don't know, I feel very safe. I feel very comfort, comforted. And I feel that that's a gift. I hear ya. So, Annie, is there anything that that you do that uh, you feel comfort? Um, yeah. Well, being outside definitely is one of my great comforts. I'm lucky enough to have a yard, and I go out. And I live in California, where it's always nice, Southern California. And so I just go outside every day, and I spend a great deal of time out there, and that makes me happy. I have a little waterfall that I built, and it's a very pretty garden, lots of flowers. And I do my mm-hmm. work out there even. I'm a writer. I write for people, and I just bring my computer on out and work outside in my yep. outdoor office. Yep. Makes me happy. Yep. You know, and when I was living in assisted living facility, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of beauty around there. But, you know, I could leave there and, and go someplace else. I can go see, search out, you know, the things that I feel are beautiful or the things that are going to make me happy. Just because you don't have, say, a big yard or flowers or whatever, there are places that, you know, um, the Arboretum or the museum or the zoo or you know, you don't have to have wild animals in your backyard to go like that. You yeah, know, oh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the caged up animals, but, you know, that, that's a whole other issue there. But, but you know, I can I can go out by my house now where where I live and walk a little way. And there's a little pathway. I can go out there, you know, and I brought my grandchildren out there. We went down by, um, we kind of went off the beaten path and, we sat down because we found a little pond and we sat down by that, you know, and we just collected some um, some weeds, you know, and we came home and made a dried flower arrangement. So, you know, where, where, wherever you can find beauty uh, and happiness, I think we'll search it out. And a lot of times we have to put ourselves out there and, and go, hey, today I need some nurturing for myself. Today I need, you know, a little change in my environment. And hey. If you've got that in your backyard, that's great. You know, but but there are okay. places we can go, and we have to maybe make an effort to go out and do it. And when I start feeling bad, I go, what like you were saying, Bob, what do I need, you know? What is yeah. going to make me happy? What's going to make me, um, what's going to nurture me? Instead of, can you I know, being in assisted living where it was so negative. And, you know, to get out of there, 
and, and find something that's going to make me feel good. I mean, it, it, it takes effort. It takes, you know, it takes really going, what do I need right now? Can I respond? Oh, please do. Yeah. For me, nature is nurture. Um, that doesn't mean I'm anti-science. For me, science that uh, benefits mankind is okay with me. But science that believes it can improve on nature is corruption. And for me, I do not own a pair of shoes. I live this around barefoot. And as a sovereign, you know, I hear this thing, oh, you know, I hope that this is going to happen. I hope this is going to happen. And for me, hope is a perennial cry of the victim. Because yep. for me as a sovereign, I do not hope, I create. I do not hope for something. I know what my my needs are, like food, clothing, shelter, nature, nurture. And it's my job to meet those needs. And so I do not hope for anything. I am creator. And that's just part of being sovereign. And that's just part of me taking full responsibility for this life that I do create and that for me is the essence of the Christ message you know I am the way the truth the light that wasn't his claim he's not saying here I am you know follow me what he was saying was everybody should shout that out at the top of their lungs I am the way the truth the light because for the kingdom of heaven resides in all of us. And so that's the challenge, to go within and find your own kingdom of heaven. And I have created my own garden of Eden. Write that down, what you just said, Bob. Everyone has to find their own kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Nobody else can do it for you, darling. That's that's the essence of the hero's journey, isn't it? You know, everyone has to find yeah. their own way, what works for them. Which is why I well, never give up. Well, a lot of people, I agree with you know your own creation or whatever, because a lot of people say, well, you know, almost like I need somebody to come rescue me, or if I like won the lottery, my life would be completely different. Or if I had this or that, you know, and we got to find it within ourselves no matter where we are. Even when I was homeless, I had peace and serenity because I knew that you know, I could survive where I was and I could walk somewhere and, and I could find that serenity. Or I could, you know, um, look at the opportunities that I had that I didn't have to maintain keeping a house, you know, and uh, uh, maintaining a house. So... I think, uh, you know, where we are in our lives, we can, we do have uh, the ability to go within ourselves and find that peace and serenity. And I never knew, even knew what the word serenity was for years, you know. And just to be able to find that wherever you are, I think, is so important. Well, what I've, what I've noticed is because going back to the Sioux principle that all are sovereign, unique, and equal, for me, there is no argument. 
there is no argument. There is only difference. So, as the French say, vive la difference. By celebrating our difference, we are celebrating our uniqueness. And that is the basic intention of our existence, to celebrate your own unique beauty. Wow, this is getting pretty deep, eh? <laughs> I know, I agree. We've got about 15 minutes left, just to let you know. Is there anything you'd like to cover in the last 15 minutes, Bob? No. Um, sitting in my body, I think I've shared really all that all that is relevant now, you know, so, um, you know, if anybody wants to find me, um, Bob Eden on Facebook, Bob Eden Sailing in Paradise on Facebook, um, I'm just a simple bloke, and an amazing intellect, but I've learned to put my intellect in its place, you know, because my mind is just a tool that I use when I choose from so much more than my mind and um, yeah really today and I hope this show is um, the first of many um, because I you know I, this is my mission I'm on a mission to eradicate suicide and the best way mm-hmm. to do that is to get in early to get in early you know by showing people there is a path to heal from depression before they get suicidal. And so that's my mission. That's what drives me. That's what gets me out of bed at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning and go, yeah! You know, I have, <laughs> I have so, I have so yeah. much more vitality in my life now as a sovereign at 71 years old than I did as um, a technocrat when I was 40. It's my, the passion, I am living my passion and I couldn't ask for more. Well, we appreciate, you know, your sharing and the work you're doing, um, you know, to help others and, um, and to live the fullest life, because that's what I always say, you know, we really need to be talking about for people and that there is life beyond um, just uh, being a victim or a survivor, you know. Um, I call myself a thriver, and uh, the thing is, is that we do have, you know, guests come back on, and we. I also want to mention that um, all these shows are archived, and there will be a link as well. And so, Bob, if you have any places that you could put the link, um, you can link back to the show and then other people can, you know, hear that you've been on the show and um, anybody who also has been on the show. So we have, uh, this is uh, uh, scan number 3164. So that means we are gonna have after this show, 3,164 archived shows. And uh, by sharing that uh, link, um, we can reach more people as well, um, so they can hear this message too. And that's yeah. why we, uh, for the ways to contact you too, 
or the ways they can listen to more information because, um, you know, we want to get these messages out, and uh, that's part of NASCA and uh, what we're trying to yeah, do. But, and, you know, but before the well, show started, five minutes before the show started, I um, copied and pasted the link to the show and posted it on all my um, uh, network pages. Perfect. Oh, good. Perfect. Because that's how we... Uh, that's how we're going to get the message out there, just by networking. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> get everybody to post that. Yeah, yeah, we do have that, you know, ability, which I feel is, you know, having the Internet and, like you said, you know, that we are all coming together and sharing. And the Internet is just, to me, you know, because I used to do these little teeny events and it was only the people that I could contact within my, you know, within the people I knew. And now I can put stuff out there over the Internet and, and bring in a lot more people to hear my message and other people's messages that we can, you know, do this together. And uh, I used to feel like I was really alone doing this kind of work. And, uh, you know, just being in NASCAR, I'm a Minnesota ambassador to NASCAR. And being a part of NASCAR for me um, uh, gives me more purpose in my life. And we have, um, we have about... Uh, uh, 30 different uh, free programs, services, and tools on the NASCA website, and that's naasca.org. We also have this Blog Talk radio show Monday to Friday nights at the same time, and we have um, three Zoom support groups, and they're self, um, you know, they're um, peer support groups. So it's, there are no professionals. We're the professionals. <laughs> And uh, we have that on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And anybody who is an adult survivor of child abuse is welcome. And you can talk about what happened to you or, you know, what you're doing now um, and, and, you know, the struggles that you have. Because um, before there, there wasn't the resources out there as there are now. And people can, you know, type in adult survivors of child abuse and NASCA will come up. And before that, like I said, you know, before I had went somewhere and heard another adult survivor of child abuse speak, I felt like I was all alone. So I always tell people, you never have to be alone again. And if, mm. if you, uh, you know, I, I couldn't pick my family of origin, but um, I picked the NASCA family. And um, anybody that wants to call themselves a NASCA family member can. And, you know, we're, we're not perfect, just like any family's not perfect, um, even the best of them. Uh, but we, you know, we try to do our best and we try to share the information that we have um, that we, you know, compiled together. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Bob, and sharing, you know, what you've been doing especially um, and that where we can find you and everything. And uh, we, like I said, we do these shows. And if there are any survivors that would like to come on and tell their story, tell us how you know you're doing today, and and maybe things that you've got coming up in the future. Um, we would love you to go on the website under like the Blog Tech Radio Show, and uh, get a hold of us, and uh, uh, we'll set up a, a space for you on uh, one of our shows. And we also want to encourage people to continue to come to on. Um, for the uh, panel, and all that is is uh, calling a number that's on the website, which is 
and um, be part of our panel, ask questions, give comments, or, you know, like we're doing tonight, have a conversation. And that's what this is about, is having a conversation about the things that a long time ago nobody wanted to talk about, nobody wanted to share. And um, that put, a, put me, at least, in isolation. And I like what you said, too, Bob, about the I statements, um, because it is our own, our own journey. Um, but we're all a piece of the puzzle, and that's why we're all here on this world, I believe, to share. So I just want to thank you for everybody that came and participated. And thank you, Annie, for being our host. Well, and, thank uh, you, Victoria. Gordon, I'll, echo Victoria's, I'll echo Victoria's plea for guests. We need more guests because we have a show five nights a week and we need people for those shows. So if you've ever thought about maybe telling your story or if you just want to call and, and say hi, that's good too. But if you want to come and tell your story and be the guest of the show, so you have the whole show for you to tell your story, that's that's what we're looking for. We're also looking mm-hmm. for um, professionals survivor professional co-hosts, and that means a survivor of child abuse who is a professional in, in some way, a, a helping profession, um, they can talk to survivors and help them from their professional point. We're looking for those people. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd like to, we got a little bit of time, let me read the mission statement for NASCA. Um, well, I think, did you read that at the beginning? So, so let's not let's not do that. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, but, we don't. Um, yeah, well, I, did, I forgot that we read that in the beginning. But I did I did want to say that um, in our support group we um, reread. Um, you know, the, a lot of people know the Serenity Prayer, um, but um, we are the Serenity Prayer is please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And uh, maybe we could learn to say that to ourselves. Go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. That's good. Yeah, for me, we are the professionals. Yes. Those ordinary folks that have followed their heart and found their way to contentment. We are the professionals. There are no Uh, gurus out there, and there is no out there out there. For all my solutions, I found within my heart. So thank you very much, ladies. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll... um, yeah, chew the fat again many times in the future. So have a great day. And, um, yes, thank yeah, you. Until the next time. Okay. Thank you, Appreciate Bob. It.